everybody and welcome back to the pod and the pendulum the horror movie podcast covering all horror franchises one movie in one episode at a time i'm your host mike snoonian joined once again by my co-host Lindsay travis Lindsay, how are we on this summer evening i'm good summer evening is right it's very warm outside oh it's toasty warm yeah. we've had a ton of rain it's been more like yeah we too April. had a lot of rain um yeah, it was hot. I had to carry my dog for half of his walk today because he just really? was like, yeah, he was just too hot. And he was like lying in the grass to cool off. And I was like, all right, oh, we're carrying you home. That's, that's where awesome. we are. <laughs> I was like, I, that's what's happening. We took Lacey on a hike today and she was so happy to be off leash oh, and get to yeah. run around. Yeah, so it's a good day. It was a good day for it. Um, but it's just the two of us tonight. We kind of made a decision like, 
you know, it's kind of like almost feels like summer break a little bit. So we're yeah. kind of took it easy on ourselves, And rather than like scramble to find someone we thought we'd have like a laid back kind of look at the midpoint, the midpoint of the Conjuring series here, because we are here to talk about 2017's Annabelle creation. Annabelle creation. The prequel to the prequel. Yeah. The prequel to the spinoff, I guess. The prequel to the spinoff, which is a prequel of the main movie. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. But I remember for Annabelle um, Comes Home, I was like, well, it's technically a prequel, but it's also a sequel to the mm-hmm. spinoff. <laughs> is, it a, is it a pre? Is Annabelle Comes Home, Does it? where does it fall in the timeline of the Conjuring movies? Before the Conjuring. Before the Conjuring. Okay. I wasn't quite sure about I'm that. I'm having a moment. I'm Yeah, it's before the Conjuring. Okay. For some reason, I'm questioning myself on that, but I don't yeah, know Yeah, I see. I can see I right don't know now, why I'm questioning like... myself, I know. I just remember I went with um, with uh, Laura, for whomever mm-hmm. knows her, and uh, she was like, so where does it sit in continuity? And I was like, it's a prequel technically, but it's also a sequel to the spinoff, mm-hmm. um, which is like just the type of baloney that I live for. That you kind of go, <laughs> you have the, the, you'll have in two weeks, you'll have the big chalkboard up behind you. <laughs> yeah. It'll be all diagrammed out. <sighs> That's just Excellent. my kind of baloney. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about what was your first time seeing this movie? My first experience with this movie, very precious day. Um, I notoriously like, I think I've probably alluded to this a few times throughout. Um, I, uh, the first time I saw this, I notoriously do not like doing things for my birthday. I will sabotage any plans that you make for me. Um, if I catch wind of anything, I will cancel it and let you know when it's too late. So I had sabotaged um, my 30th birthday plans uh, quite extensively and my friends were not deterred and they were like, just we're going for dinner, um, wear closed shoes. And I was like, I have no idea what that means, but okay. (laughs) Um, So I met them for dinner and I didn't realize that like they invited like all my closest pals. It was really awesome. We had this really nice dinner and then they were like, wear closed shoes. And they had like, um, like mini liquor bottles in their purses. And I was mm-hmm. like, where are we going? Like, are we going hiking? Like, what is happening? And uh, what it was is my friends know that because of House of Wax, I won't wear open shoes at a scary mm-hmm. movie, which is a weird oh. thing that I've mentioned for sure here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole wear closed shoes things is because they took us all to see Annabelle Creation, which is exactly like the birthday that I could not have planned mm-hmm. because I didn't want to do anything, but I did just kind of want to see a movie. So it was just awesome. Um, and the liquor bottles were because all of my friends do not like scary movies except me. <laughs> That's very uh, sweet. Mm-hmm. I know. So they were like, you know, we'll just have a couple drinks so that we won't be too freaked out. So it was like me and like 20 of my friends. Um, and I was like grinning ear to ear the entire time mm-hmm. while they were just like terrified covering their eyes and putting whiskey in their Cokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it was a very lovely experience and it was really fun as we'll get to like all the Easter eggs and post, like explaining that to them and them being like, we will pretend to care for you for today only. Did so, yeah. it convert any friends or any of your friends? Like, I want to see more of these movies now. And yes. Yeah. At Excellent. least two, but probably three. Yeah. Excellent. Of about like 15, 20. Not, That's well, a probably. good percentage right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is a good group of friends that are like, we don't love horror movies, but you know what you do? And this is your day. Yeah. Can I ask, like, what is it about your birthday where you're like, I don't want anyone to acknowledge it? 
It's a good question. I don't really know. It's not like I had some like bad experience or mm-hmm. anything weird like that. I feel weird about the like narcissism of it all. Um, but this is very much a personal thing that I don't actually project onto other onto mm-hmm. other people. Like if you did this to me, I wouldn't be upset. Um, or actually, maybe I would, but I wouldn't expect that it was right for me to be upset. But like when someone's like, "Oh, I hope you're free Friday. We're doing this, and then Saturday we're doing this, and then Sunday you have to come to this." I'm like, mm-hmm. "No, like That's I don't want to do that." Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't. So I just I'm always like, I don't care about your birthday, and then mm-hmm. I just feel like weird personally being like. I don't know, celebrating me. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And I also have like a huge complex about my age. So mm-hmm. the idea of like celebrating turning 30 and making people pay attention for it, like, no, that's a nightmare to me. It was just okay. awful. Yeah. So I sabotaged them. Um, we all had tickets to go to the Blue Jays game and I I ruined it. So <laughs> I'm pretty how do you ruin it? Like, I do just, you like, tear up the tickets? Like yeah, I told oh, the person who was in charge of the tickets that we couldn't go and it was canceled because I figured it out. And uh, they were <laughs> So the fact that my friends, like, who would way rather have all gone to a Jays game um, came to a movie with me is, like, made me feel very uh-huh. much. So, oh. again, as much as I hate my birthday, I was like, wow, you all still want to hang out with me, even mm-hmm. though I ruined your day. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. What about you? Tell me about your first experience. So for me, it was, like, one of the rare occasions I've actually, like, left a theater mid-movie. Whoa. Um, and I don't want to say that I walked out of the movie in disgust. It wasn't, like, one of those deals. And I actually went back and I thought about one or the other time. So Ashley Judd's Double Jeopardy. Yes. I out of, but I feel like I didn't pay for that movie. Like, I just got there so early for a different movie that I'm like, I snuck into that, didn't like it, and just waited for the movie I paid for to start. So okay. it just was like, eh, it wasn't even worth seeing for free. Um, and then I started to think whatever happened to Ashley Judd. And then I just didn't go down that rabbit hole because she was like huge for a few years. And then I feel like she disappeared. She kind of, no, she, I mean, I feel like she was relatively um, in the spotlight the past few years. Double Jeopardy, fun fact, was the first DVD I ever watched. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know like the timing on, Mm -hmm. I'm like curious to look up the timing on it, but my dad's work computer had a DVD player Mm -hmm. on it. And me and my brothers like crammed into my dad's office to stare at his like computer monitor and watch Double Jeopardy. You're like, whoa, what is this? Whoa, the sound. And Mission Impossible 2 Mm -hmm. was our first one in surround sound. Um, Huge memories, memories, memories. Um, I think the first three I bought were Dangerous Liaisons, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and Raging Bull. Wow, taste, taste. Yes. Um, um, I watched, I specifically remember, so we had, we were like, you know, the cool house with like the surround sound mm-hmm. system. And we got like the first DVD ever and it's Mission Impossible 2. And there's a scene like we were like testing out the surround and had like all our cousins over for the like big moment, you know, back mm-hmm. when that was a thing people did. And an airplane flies over your head, but it was supposed to come like towards you mm-hmm. in the movie. And it came from behind. And we were like, oh my God, all the speakers were installed backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, take it all apart and reset it all. Um, I used to, like, I spent years, like, designing and selling home theater systems. Yeah. And I remember I would use, like, the in Dracula, I would use, like, the scene where Keanu Reeves gets off the coach. And then the other one approaches because it was, it would just pan around the room and sound so creepy. It was, like, my go-to demo for years. I love it. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so it was that movie's the double jeopardy is one I walked out of the strange color of your body's tears was another. Cause okay. like I got like two thirds of the way in and I'm like, I am not about this. Like it was okay. just it was not for you. It was not for me. And then similar to that, like Dario Argento Suspiria. 
Okay. Was not for I, you. It just, I've tried a few times to watch that movie and there was like one of the local theaters did like a, uh, one of the rest the restored prints of it. Mm. And I got 20 minutes in, which is longer than I had gotten in the other two times. And I'm like, Nope, it's just not do it's nonsense. It's just not doing it for me. It wasn't a thing um, and you recognized it. Yeah. So this wasn't necessarily the fault of the movie. It was basically like midsummer. My uh, Claire and Ada were in England uh, visiting the family over there. And I was at home. It was just like a Sunday afternoon. I'm like, I should go do something. No one is around today. And it was like on movie pass. So I used like at the time, like movie pass was around and I'm like, I'm not even paying for it. And just movie pass is like a monthly subscription. It, w- it was for like a shining moment in time. It was that $10 a month program where you could go see a movie every day. It was an American thing. Yeah. It flew too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made it like as difficult as possible to get to see that movie a day. Um, okay. But when it worked, it was, it was awesome. Um, so... I just like, you know, I got my ticket through movie pass and then midway through the movie, I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm going home. Uh, Cause I'm like, I don't technically don't have to stay. Um, and it wasn't that it was bad. It was just like, eh, I'm just not in the mood type of deal. Um, right. And I ended up watching it a few months later. It was paired with it chapter one. And I went with a pair of friends to the local drive-in and that was a fun way to see it. It was like, oh, all right, this isn't That would too be bad. fun. Yeah. And that makes sense. It's the same writer, as far as I know. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is cool. So that actually makes sense as a double feature or a double yep. bill. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Mr. Doberman in a few minutes here as we yeah. kind of make our way through. Because that's his whole career, basically. Is like, Yeah, like um, it and the Conjuring verse. Yeah, it's like, which is not a bad way to go you could do worse to be fair when you look at him he could also play he also if there's ever a biopic on ronald d moore the Mm -hmm. showrunner of battlestar galactica totally he could be so specific but yeah i'll I'll bite i've never seen them in the same room together so i'm just saying could be could be the same guy no no that is wild all right so you know this one you know the first annabelle it exceeds all it has to have exceeded all expectations. Oh yeah, two hundred and fifty-seven million on like six million dollars for a budget. At that point, like the sequel is all but a foregone conclusion. Like, oh yeah. Once the box office comes back for the weekend, like you know you're greenlighting it. The trouble, not really trouble, but the idea is like critically, it took a beating. Um, it's probably- the first one. Yeah, the yeah. first Annabelle took a beating. Um, I would s- s- gauge to say, I guess, depending on whether you, or not you consider the Curse of Lorona part of the Conjuring universe, which I'm kind of leaning towards no, because the producers are leaning towards no. Um, and it gets us out of having to cover I was just going to say, like, listen, <laughs> we can leave it down and put it up to a vote. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have to be like, here's what we can cover instead. It's like when you're trying to bribe children with. <laughs> um, so the idea is, okay, we're going to switch out John uh, Leonetti, the director of Annabelle, uh, for David Sandberg. Um, Sandberg at the time he was chosen was in post-production 
for his debut film, her debut feature film, because he has a lot of shorts behind him, Lights Out. Mm-hmm. self-started it's a really successful short film yeah um new line was like really impressed with the early cuts they had seen of lights out um and hired him before that had even hit theaters thinking that they had a kind of the I, new director i'm cutting you i'm interjecting because i'm curious mm-hmm. have you seen lights out i did i'm curious it's your enjoyable thoughts. yeah it's enjoyable you know it's a fun pg-13 horror movie with some well-crafted jump scares yes um and there's a couple moments that really stand out um is it a classic of modern horror cinema no uh, yeah. I, th- I think it works better overall as a short film but oh, yeah. it's still very enjoyable i literally agree on all points like there's almost nothing for me to say because i completely agree um i think lights out yeah exactly that i feel like it's of the like mamas it's of the it's I was just like gonna say it works better than Mama as a, like the transition from short to feature film mm. worked better in Lights Out than it did for yeah. Mama. Um, I think where I I sometimes for whatever reason get Lights Out and don't breathe mixed up. Same. So one I, I prefer to the other, but it's a hot take. What's the hot take? Let's hear it. I like Lights Out much more. I'm not a fan of Don't Breathe, but I know that yeah. I'm like in very much in the minority on that. Yeah, I I I would probably lean a little bit more towards Lights Out myself. Yeah. I, I think so. And I'm not yeah. super thrilled with some of the choices they seem to be making with this proposal. Listen, that is a discourse we're saving yeah. for another day. But um, I will say on Lights Out has one of my favorite like moments that I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. Like my whole theater, like was like an uproarious laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it was supposed to be funny. Cause I don't think so based, especially based on his other work. It seems like he's not someone who thinks mm-hmm. these scares are funny, but when the boyfriend character, I saw it so long ago in theaters mm-hmm. when the boyfriend character, um, who's like very great, very underrated character, by the way, is fighting with the ghost or whatever and uses, he's like floating in the air and uses his keys to turn the headlights of the car mm-hmm. on. And he just like drops. Cause the thing disappears is one of the funniest scares <laughs> of like the past, however many mm-hmm. years, like I love it. My whole theater laughed. And then I think about it all the time. Cause I'm like, I don't think that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> like everyone laughed. And then it was like applause. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I don't think it's supposed to have that reaction. Sandberg being like, that's not what it was going for. Just him seething. It's <laughs> like, point. oh no. Um, especially because like this uh, Annabelle creation mm-hmm. is, there's no laughs in this movie. No, it's a humorless. It's yeah, a, there's, there's no laughs. It's a trudge at times. And we'll get into that. Um, yeah. You know, it, Lights Out would go on like in its own right. It made 150 million and 5 million. So I think they kind of knew they had like a hot shit for a new director there. And this is what it kind of tickled me, like thinking back of this time period, because it feels like the discourse about horror and elevated horror and horror being in the mainstream again, started with like it chapter one and then Mm -hmm. peaked around the time like hereditary and the witch uh, or hereditary hit theaters because you had that stretch where it was like it chapter one and hereditary a quiet place get out all of those movies hit within like in seven to eight month stretch of one another Mm -hmm. but when you look at like the mid 2000s like there are a lot of low budget 
horror movies that come out like the evil dead reboot um the paranormal activity series is going really strong um you have like movies like lights out that come out that make a lot of money without costing a lot um so it's kind of interesting to me how i feel like that 2013 to 16 window often gets kind of aside from maybe the conjuring movies it kind of gets even in the original insidious it feels yeah. like maybe that movie i don't want to say underrated because i think that people do i think people um recognize it's a really strong movie but maybe a little bit under like undervalued versus, undervalued yeah versus maybe. like I think people look at um, those types of movies as like the quote unquote trash horror, like jump scare mm-hmm. trash. And I will say like, I look at them as like comfort food, popcorn yeah. movies, that mm-hmm. kind of thing versus like, I mean, I hate the term elevated horror. We won't fight about it, but yeah. not that we will, but we won't fight anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the like prestige horror or something like, sure. you know, like something. But I think yeah. there is like a, a thing. I mean, I, I understand not liking the term elevated horror, um, mm-hmm. but I do think, I mean, horror is such a big umbrella and just like any genre yeah. you have, you know, certain, like you said, comfort horror movies or popcorn movies. And then you have movies that, like any genre, like just have a little bit more to say and have a little bit more going for it. Or there's just like maybe a bit more of an authorship to it than something that's just meant to get the kids in the seats on a Friday night. It's like, I don't know why I do know why I was thinking about this movie, but I'm making this connection, but it's like history of violence versus nobody. Mm -hmm. Like they're the same movie, but one's quote prestige and one is more popcorn and they do what they do. They're both great it just comes down a lot of it to like the tone of the movie. And, you know, you can have like a, like a movie like nobody, which is a lot of fun and it knows exactly. Um, what is it right now? That movie, like Nicholas Cage's new movie, pig, pig. Um, which I watched the trailer for it. And I'm like, I'm actually intrigued enough to maybe it's playing in downtown Boston, which is just enough of a hike to be, a pain in the ass for me to get to, to make a special trip. But I think I'm intrigued enough to check it out, but it lo- I'm like, it has to be comedy. It, they have to know a little bit of what they're going for here. Like the way it plays out in the trailer. I haven't watched the trailer. It's one of those movies that I really want to go into as cold as possible. So I'm mm-hmm. just seeing people being like, watch it, whatever. And I'm just like, all right, we're going in cold. I'm going to try okay. my best to stay clean on that one. Mm-hmm. So we'll see and what happens. I- Everyone, if you're a listener, a longtime listener, you know my feelings about Nick Cage. I've, I'll say it right here. Like, no one takes a five-star premise and turns it into a three-star movie quite like Nick Cage does. I love um, Nick Cage. Um, I know people love him. And I maybe I just feel like he's kind of squandering his talents a little bit. I get it. Even though he never, he never brings less than 100% to something. So maybe I'm just not about his 100%. I don't know. I think, um, yeah. Oh, actually, I have an eventual Patreon episode for us. Um, okay. But he Care had a couple. Um, yeah. Well, so I don't think it's a secret. One of my favorite movies of the past, I don't know, five years, 10 years, I have no mm-hmm. idea, uh, is Mom and Dad. with this, Love that movie. Is, yeah. Like, I think, so Mom and Dad came out within a same few year years. Same year as Mandy. Same year okay, as Mandy. Okay, so same year as Mandy. And within a few years of... Um, color out of space mm-hmm. i compare it to color out of space more because i think color out of space and this is again maybe a hot take but color out of space 
I think thought it was using Cage well and did not. Mm-hmm. And it, he just looked silly in a serious movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and mom and dad used Cage perfectly because yeah. he got to be camp in a camp horror. And yeah. I think that like, to me, that's the like, that's the balance that I think is hard to get. I know you don't like Mandy. I think Mandy did a good job with him, but I know you don't, sure. that's not for you. Um, yeah. As we're like, I think mom and dad nailed what Nick Cage can do in that type of movie perfectly yeah. versus like Colorado space was just like, this is silly. I'm laughing well, at him, not with him. I think the difference too, with mom and dad is like Selma Blair can keep up with Nick. Cage. Oh my God, yes. That's a big part of it. It's like, Goddess. she is every bit as committed to the bit as he is, and she can keep up with him. Yeah. Um, and then there are moments of real pathos. Like I remember the moment. We, we'll definitely do that as a patron. We'll look. I know. At I was just like, ooh, in. maybe patron, um, mom and dad. Yeah. And maybe we'll ask our friends from like the Caged In podcast to maybe join us. Like, okay. A, all of the Nick Cage. So I think that would be interesting. I've been like meaning to get them in for a while. So that might be a fun one. That would be really fun to do. Um, so that. we'll pencil that in, and let's look at what we can do that. So. Um, so yeah, but you know, I think like Sandberg right now is one of those guys where he's three for three. Like he does Lights Out, mm-hmm. Annabelle Creation, and Shazam. Um, all of them are pretty big commercial hits. Like this one, over three hundred million bucks on a fifteen million dollar budget. Shazam, I think, was a pretty big hit for Warner Brothers, and it was along with like Aquaman and Wonder Woman. It kind of showed persons like look like the dc cinematic universe it doesn't have to be this like grim trudge you're through like Rand- and randy and dystopias and i honestly feel like once wonder woman aquaman and shazam hit that's kind of when warner brothers gave like snyder kind of the not the heave ho but they decided to move in another direction they're kind of at that Briefly. point they're like yeah so um, then they handed him $70 million. And then they were like, here's $70 million to make the cut of your movie that already exists. Um, allegedly, but <laughs> still, still mad at them. I right, listen, so. listen. Um, it's funny. Cause I like, as much as I knew that consciously, it's only in this moment that I'm like, right. Juan made Aquaman mm-hmm. and this dude, like that's wild that the conjuring verse yeah. had such a huge, uh, hand in the DCE and the DC universe. So, you know, and you have like Juan doing Aquaman 2. I know that Sandberg's doing, uh, and Je- it's funny, they actually allowed like Patty Jenkins followed up Wonder Woman with Wonder Woman 84. Mm-hmm. And is she on board for the third? Like, I believe she is. Oh, God, I can't remember. I know she's making a Star Wars movie, and I don't yes, know if it's like, okay. and then she kind of um, talked a bit of smack about WB interfering in the first Mm. Wonder Woman. So that's the only thing that makes me think she's not. Mm -hmm. Um, And Wonder Woman 84 or the first one? The first one, but it wasn't until like after 84. Okay. She was like, they changed my ending. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder if it was kind of like, I'm free moment, but I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Now that she's getting Star Wars money. Yeah. She's like, I'm Um, doing Star Wars now. So I'm (laughs) going to smack talk WB studio interference all day. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also has a movie which you can find on YouTube called I Flip You Off for Four Hours. Yeah. And it's literally Great. him standing there holding a middle finger pose for like four hours. It's, and I am jealous of his beard game. He could, number one, <laughs> has this really luxurious beard. Like okay. it just looks like a carpet and it looks like a, the most beautiful bearskin carpet you've ever seen, but on his wow. face. But he also can do this thing where he can like blend short hair with a thick beard. And I, oh, yeah. That's tough. 
yeah, that is tough. So I have trouble with that. I would like to get to that level. So I thought you've always got a good beard situation. I, you know, it's coming back. Um, I did trim the hell out of it and I was worried that it wasn't going to grow back oh, again. And it looks like it's starting to, and it's got the gray in it. I think I look okay with the grays. I'm not. I, I, I mean, so. I like a good salt and pepper beard. Yes, I think it's go. a good thing. Excellent. Good I appreciate that. Um, Lindsay, you would look great with a beard too if you ever. Thanks so time. much. No Thank problem. you. I actually got my eyebrows done for the first time in a year and a half. Really? Year and a half. So. Oh, was it? There you go. It was great. Um, I did cry. I didn't cry, but I did cry because you were happy. Just like so happy, like okay. I was just like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I have eyebrows again. I'm um, trying to think what the moment because I have not yet. Um, mm. I thought going back to the movies would be that moment, but it was such a shitty experience. Oh, no. like, oh my God, I love movies at home so much more now. Um, um, I think it will be the first concert I go to, which I bought my tickets for mm. Bob Mould, who's my favorite musician of all time. So that's in September. That so I, You're going to cry. Will either be that or like the first film fest I go to. Like when I get yeah, back to film fest, I think in October. Tell you right in October, I might like start bawling on the stage. Oh, I like this is not a joke. We went to the movies and mm-hmm. then we like I went to the bathroom um, at the pub, like like to go to the patio, mm-hmm. went inside to go to the bathroom and straight up just burst into tears in the bathroom. Like just That's like awesome. I, I was it was just like so overwhelming. I was like, yeah. it's, I was at the movies and I'm here with my friends in real life. And I was like yeah. burst into tears. Totally so. understandable. Yeah. I'm getting teary eyed now thinking. I know. It. I like didn't even feel no. weird about it. I like came back and was like, hey, I just cried in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of that. And it's okay. It's I say normalize crying is what I would Listen, say. Listen, crying in oh, bathrooms. Dear. I don't have an office mm-hmm. anymore. So I, I can't cry in that mm-hmm. bathroom anymore. So I got to mm-hmm. find other bathrooms to cry in. So, yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> Yes, bathroom so, crying, normalize it. Um, so you'd mentioned Gary Doberman. He's back yes. doing the writing duties for this. Back. Um, and again, like his whole career is like two IPs. Like he scripts all the, he's the screenwriter behind all the Annabelle movies. Uh, yeah. James Wan is the story by credit for Comes Home, yeah. which I think is the strongest, spoiler alert, like the strongest of the three Annabelles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he's the writer of The Nun. He directs um comes home mm-hmm. um and he's the screenwriter behind chapter one or two so it'll be interesting to see what he does going forward like there's a couple things he has coming up where he's going to be adapting salem's lot um oh. and then it looks like he's involved with the sequel to the reboot of are you afraid of the dark which is the nickelodeon kids show wait mm-hmm. was there a first one so there was a reboot two years ago it was a three episode right and it didn't follow the show format where it's kids sitting around a campfire it was actually like three 40 minute it's basically one right. two hour movie divided into three parts okay yeah i loved i actually really enjoyed okay. it and okay, it's one of those like yeah it's one of those like family horror movie every halloween season okay um, that's good to know like are you afraid of the dark is a slice of canadiana by the way mm-hmm. i know it played on nickelodeon but like that is a did. canadian tv show it was canadian as it goes like gonna go around <laughs> the campfire eh it was as canadian as it gets yeah. they're sitting and I around remember being like, yeah i remember like, that's one of those, like um because you all watched degrassi too right yes because that's like super canadian i remember when we learned mm-hmm. that americans watched it we like didn't believe it mm-hmm. and i feel like when the are you afraid of the dark uh reboot was happening 
and Americans were excited. I was like, really? Like they've really? heard of it. Like I thought it was yeah. like a pure Canadian thing that yeah. none of you had ever heard of. And I, um, so I had yeah. heard of it. I had maybe watched a couple of the episodes in high school, but it had come out at a time. Like I remember watching a couple episodes when I was like, hanging out with like a then girlfriend and her friends when they were babysitting and it just happened to be on. But I think like that in the fear street books, I had just aged out of them. Like at the time, like those hit, it was like a year or two after I would have aged out of them. So it was interesting to see the nostalgia for those. Yeah. Fear street. If anything, I was, I want to say I was too young, but I actually Mm -hmm. don't know if maybe it just wasn't my thing. Like I read goosebumps. Yep. Um, which were like the younger, yeah. I feel like Fear Street was for older kids, yep. but Are You Afraid for, of the Dark was like my whole life. And, yeah. uh, I have, I, I have like, Are You Afraid of the Dark lapel pins, but, um. Excellent. I bought a bunch of the collections on Amazon. They were like seven bucks for <sighs> 10 episodes. And I ended up like when Ada was younger, like we would watch those together. And I feel like she's kind of aged out of them now too, so. <gasps> We like so. to like give you, I feel like I've told this anecdote and I can't remember the context, but I feel like I've told it on a podcast and mm-hmm. it probably ours, but I don't know. I don't remember the context of why I would have told it, but that show, Are You For The Dark is so Canadian and like, so like Toronto GTA specifically that like, it was like not uncommon that like the people from episodes were like working in the grocery store you were shopping mm-hmm. at kind of thing. And wow. so like a true, like a real anecdote was like the crimson clown to me is the scariest episode of anything that's Mm -hmm. ever existed which is why i have not seen it chapter two but um the crimson clown was uh there's a kid in the crimson clown and it was just like it haunted my nightmares was like it kept me up at night for like years i was so afraid of this thing and i was at the movies and the guy Mm -hmm. ripping my ticket at the like local theater was the kid from the crimson clown and i was like oh my god and told him and he was like so flattered that like someone recognized him and I was like I'm terrified I was like what's the clown like in real life I like made my mom go up to him because I was too scared but I was like it's the guy from the crimson clown which like my mom was like that thing that keeps you up at night crying and I was like yeah it's him like she definitely did not think it was what it was that is great yeah classic classic Toronto suburb anecdote (laughs) there you go I don't think we had anyone like that Um, everywhere there they are. So yeah, like that's one of his new things. One of his things coming out. So wow, okay. he's behind the behind the scenes in this. And I will say, like one of the strengths of I think all of the Conjuring movies, like is the casting of mm, these mm-hmm. movies. And here you have like Anthony Lapacia as the dad in this movie, which I completely forgot. It, mm. Like I saw this movie in theaters, and then again, like to me, this is like a trash popcorn flick. And I was like, oh my god like he's just in that movie huh yeah he's just (laughs) in there he's going for it um fun fact i'm reading um the revolution was televised alan seppenwall's book on like the kind of golden age of of like television from the late 90s through the early 2000s and the patient was yeah he was the original choice when david chase was pitching the sopranos to cbs and he was kind of hoping that they would like make it pass on the pilot and then he could raise another half a million and just do it as a movie because he didn't want to do TV. That's um, funny. That's really fun. Yeah. So LaPagia was originally like the network's choice when they were thinking of picking it up to play Tony Soprano. 
Um, Interesting. And I think like he couldn't do it for some reason and CBS then lost interest and it quickly made its way over to HBO where history was made at that history point. Was made. I yeah. feel like he would have made a really good Tony Soprano, but also I can't see not, anyone else. I can't see role. anyone else in that role. Yeah. No. Like that's James Gandolfini's role, but yeah. I could see he, him doing well. I picture him always like for me, um, he'll be, Oh God, what's his name? In empire records. That's like, mm-hmm. To me, it's quintessential role. And you tend yep. to play like a few, like, you know, classic gangster movie, very yep. Italian type characters. Um, he's one of those that guys. Like, he's always working. Yeah. He's probably best known for like that procedural drama without a trace. Right. I've not watched a single minute of ever. No, me yeah. neither. But I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just was like watching this movie and I was like, wait, this cast. Yeah. I was like, why yeah. is he in this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, he's in this, and then uh, Miranda Otto, who I love her as Aunt Zelda in the Netflix reboot of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She's so good. She is amazing in that show. Um, And she doesn't get, I mean, she's probably best known for like Eowon and the Lords of the Ring trilogy. Mm. She doesn't get a lot to do here, but typically, like when she's on screen, she just brings this air of like authority, but also like danger to her. Yeah. Um, like she just commands any scene that she's in. And she has this air of like someone that you answer to whenever like she's on screen. And I love her for that. I and agree. I find I... her strikingly beautiful. As well. Oh my God. She's stunning. And I yeah. feel like that's, what's so cool about her in this role, because we've seen the like frail, broken wife, in mm-hmm. a million movies and the they're usually played by very like slight quiet mm-hmm. women that fade into the background like she, her character kind of wears a mask and like yeah. usually those types of characters like just completely fade into the background they might have like one ominous line and mm-hmm. what's so cool about her casting here is that like she commands so much attention and does mm-hmm. so much which is like so different do you know what i mean by that like it's It's, not what you expect of that character it's something where casting her in this role it suggests to the audience it informs the audience without having to do a lot of legwork saying something really bad happened it had to be especially horrific for it to disable this woman like this for like a woman like her to be quiet and Mm -hmm. hidden yeah yeah yeah, and then it just makes you pay like that much more attention to her when you see her because you're like, wait a second, no, um, where she totally could have been invisible. Like the nun, the 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 sister, I can't mm-hmm. remember her name. She's invisible. Like she has a mm-hmm. big role, but she's invisible. Like I couldn't yeah. pick her out of a lineup of one right. today. Well, um, I think the, a lot of like the kids in this movie, and we'll talk a little bit about that a bit when I kind of talk about where this comes up short for me. Mm-hmm. Is like they're in, mostly interchangeable. Yeah, they're invisible. I mean, yeah. you've got. If we're like going through, like you have Lulu Wilson. Mm-hmm. You I don't know. know who that is. Like what else is she? Lulu Wilson is the, um. oh my goodness, what's his name? From Hill House and, uh, come on, you know his name. Mike Flanagan. Those. The yeah. Mike Flanagan's darling. Lulu Wilson is in like all, like she's in okay. um, Ouija Origin of Evil. I didn't um, even recognize her from Hill House in this. Okay. She's yeah no she is she she's not in oh my goodness you know Lulu wasn't she's the lead in Becky, um, mm-hmm. and she's just in like all of is Becky the Kevin James fighting uh, is a Nazi movie it is 
Okay, I still haven't seen. Oh yeah, no, she's That's... in the Haunting of Hill House. I don't know why I lost okay. that. Um, she's in the Haunting. She's in Ouija: Origin of Evil. Annabelle Creation, obviously. So she kind of was like a Flanagan darling. She's in like all of Flanagan's projects, and mm-hmm. she also was in Annabelle Creation in 2017. Mm-hmm. Your dog objects. Um, yeah, but you know, I would say like you know, mostly this movie works like part of what appealed to David Sandberg about doing this movie was it was a prequel to the conjuring movies, which gave him a little bit more flexibility and leeway to kind of make the movie he wanted to make. Like when they pitched it to him, his initial reaction was like, he didn't want to be what I would describe as like another plank in a bridge, something that basically just connects one movie to another movie. And there's really not much flexibility you have. Like the Marvel movies to me sometimes feel like that. It's like everything's building towards something and it's a movie by committee at that point. And to me, like the first Annabelle felt like that, like in structure and tone and story creation, like Sandberg gets to play around with the mythos a bit. It deviates from the formula just enough where it gets to be its own movie and it gets to have its own feel to it. But at the same time, like if you're someone that has already seen the original two Conjuring movies and the original Annabelle movie, like it is familiar enough that you are not going to walk into that movie feeling like you've walked into something else. So, so yeah. So what do you think? Like, I mean, what are your over, before we get into like the specifics, like what are your overall thoughts on this movie? I think it's really fun. Like what you said about kind of the freedom. I think the first Annabelle movie, um, it suffers kind of like you said, I like it, but it does suffer of like really having to set something up. And so does this one, but I do feel like it got a little bit more free. Um, it creates the doll and it totally, it, it ends up circling back to the first Annabelle movie, which is, you know, this is, prequel to it but mm-hmm. it circles back but it never feels beholden to it like it really mm-hmm. is doing its own thing and then the end is kind of like a really cool remember this ties in mm-hmm. <laughs> which i think is really fun yeah. so honestly i have a lot of fun with me i think it's pretty scary i like that you know it's kind of a period piece in that it takes away technology so it's using the visuals a different way um you know you've got this family you're meeting annabelle you're meeting the guy who made the doll which Mm -hmm. is wild because he's like kind of made into a celebrity by the other annabelle movie Mm -hmm. um so i think it's like a really fun movie i have a lot of fun with it i think it's scary i think it's good yeah yeah i'd say it it mostly works for me Mm -hmm. um as usual like my complaint is with the runtime like when i queue up a movie and it's like one hour and 49 minutes i'm like fire that editor yeah it's too long yeah, it is like there's no need for like a kind of like B-level supernatural movie to be an hour and 50 minutes long, especially yeah. one where like the mythology is already so firmly in place. Like we're four movies in. This is a movie like I think if you're seeing Annabelle, I'd be very surprised if it's a double digit percentage of people where this was the first of the Conjuring movies that someone saw. My friends coming to see this movie with me are the only ones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you kind of know what you're in for. It's like yeah. a solid, like C plus B minus of a movie. 
I'd say yeah. like as far as the series goes, it's like in the it's the median point. Like it doesn't approach the highs of the first two conjurings. And I do think that Annabelle Comes Home is like the best of the three Annabelle movies, but it's definitely a big step up for me above the original Annabelle, which I didn't really enjoy. Um, and it is, oh, folks, when we get to um, The Devil Made Me Do It, oh, it's going to be. It's going to be a bloodbath. I'm really excited gonna, to do it. It's going to be a snark fest. On my, and I, I think we're. Meanwhile, me and my planned guest are going to be, we're going to have Who's our fist Who's your planned up. guest? Who is? The very, this, I've, I'm confident, like she said, she was available for whichever mm-hmm. one, but I really want her for The Devil Made Me Do It because I think her and I are going to have fun with mm-hmm. it. Uh, Meg Navarro, notorious. Okay. Conjuring verse fan. Yeah. Um, she is like one of the only people who told me something about the Conjuring verse that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm like, wow, she's the queen. Although she was already mm-hmm. the queen. Um, and so hopefully Meg Navarro. That's a great guest. Yeah, I think she'll be a so really excellent, excellent guest. Okay. Excited about it. So <laughs> I, yeah, I. It doesn't <laughs> approach Mandy levels of hatred for me. Sure. But it is what I watched it twice in prep when it was on HBO. And it was just like, it feels like a cover song of a Conjuring movie, <sighs> which we'll get into. That's kind of actually an interesting way of putting it, but yeah. I really like it, but we'll get there. Yeah. And it's fun. Um, People, we'll know. get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think The I Nun agree. is to be determined. I haven't seen The Nun yet. The Nun is fine. I think, mm-hmm. well, I won't, I won't poison the wells. Is that a phrase people still yeah. use? I don't know. Yeah, I um, I won't, I won't taint your experience before it happens, but I actually, I really like this movie. I like Annabelle creation a lot. I do think it's Mm -hmm. better than Annabelle, although I like Annabelle more than, um, I think more than most people. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually really like Annabelle, but I do think I like this one better. I think I like it better than Comes Home. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. I just like all these movies so much. I'll be interested when you you rewatch, when you rewatch Comes Home again. Like I like, you know, I, like everyone knows because I never shut up about like I hate ranking movies and ranking mm-hmm. franchises. I hate doing that. I just end up like talking myself in circle. I just mm-hmm. I don't like it as an exercise. Um, but I really like this movie. I have a lot of fun with this, this movie. Like I said, I hold it very fondly. I think it's mm-hmm. scary. I think it's good. I think it was probably my only time rewatching it was rewatching to prep for this. And I was still mm-hmm. like just as engaged in it, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. But I agree with you. It's way too long because it doesn't do very much. No. Um, not very much happens. Like the middle of the movie, like the beginning is cool. The ending is fire. Mm-hmm. Um, the middle of the movie is the same old scares for a while. And I yeah. agree. It's, it's too long. Everything after, um, I think everything after I'm trying to think of the Janice after she falls from the chair. At the the, top, yeah. It feels like the movie just stops. Like it feels like you could have cut that 20 to 30 minutes out of the movie and gone right to act three at that point, And you would have had a much tighter movie. Cause like to your point, it gets far too repetitive. Yeah. There's like, and I think um, we kind of mentioned this at the top. Like there are so many, like when I mentioned that the sister whose name I can't even remember is so forgettable. There's a lot of young women and girls that are like pretty mm-hmm. forgettable. And I'm like yeah. not super interested in watching them be haunted. Like there's not like the scenes when they like find the Annabelle doll with the like pages stuck to the wall mm-hmm. and all of that's really scary. 
But there's some points where I'm like, I don't care about the two mean girls being haunted or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember if it happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the two mean girls, I feel like they're, and we'll, yeah, we'll dive into talking a little bit about the characters or maybe like the lack of characters at that point. <laughs> yeah. Is that really what it comes down to? Like, to me, the two mean girls exist because like, you have this like group of young women that are all orphaned. And mm-hmm. to me, the only reason that the mean girls are there is because it adds maybe an element of danger to the movie. Because again, mm-hmm. as an audience member, you feel like those two girls, if there is going to be a body count, like they could potentially fall yeah. victim to it. I don't, just because I've seen movies and I see how they work, I never for a moment think like any of the girls that are like 10 years old or younger are yeah. going to get torn to shreds by this doll or entity or whatever it is at that point. Yeah. Um, like Willie Wilson isn't going to die. No. So to me, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, and, and again, like the, the conjuring movies, like they're not built in a body count. Like as a matter of fact, I think it's really the Annabelle oh. movies are the only ones. Like, Cause I haven't seen the nun, but the Annabelle movies are like the movies that actually have victims in them. Um, you know, yeah, I guess- like the character dying in Conjuring 3, like Devil Made mm-hmm. Me Do It, and it's not, yeah, like that first death is like, I think like one of the first deaths in yeah. the universe, aside from like the body count and the Annabelle spinoffs, yeah. Yeah, so I think it might be in the three Conjuring movies, the only death in the three movies. I, guess I think it is. Between that, the dad... If the, the the disgraced priest would be the only other. So you have two in that movie. Yeah. And one of them is like the historical event that actually kicks off the events of the movie. So right. you kind of have to do that. That, that one's point. in there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but to me, like the, the um, Janice and whatever, like Nancy, like I just, I don't really have any interest in them. Like they don't mm. have any they don't have any character traits except like they're mean to the two sisters. Like for whatever reason they kick, um, they kick Janice out of the bedroom for like no reason, except that they could do it. And you're like, Oh, what's the point of that? So, um, yeah. yeah. And like, um, you know, sister Charlotte in this movie, like played by Stephanie Sigmund, like she's not given a heck of a lot to do. You know, it's just no. she's kind of there to kind of move the pieces along. You know, the one thing like what raised an interesting and they don't really explore it is when the dad, when like Samuel Mullins is killed in this movie, it just moves on very quickly from that. Like they find his body and he's never really addressed again. So there is never a question of like, hey, there's this none and a group of young orphans that have moved into this home. And the only other adult there is this convalescent woman. And now there's a dead body and And there's never any exploration of it at all. Like that never comes up again. That to me is fascinating. Yeah. They kind of breeze by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty Um, much. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. So what does work? Like you mentioned like, hey, you you know, as much as you enjoyed the first Annabelle, like this one, you enjoy a little bit more. What are the bits for you that really work? 
There are a few good scares in this movie. I think everyone remembers the kind of well scares, which are, mm-hmm. I mean, by the point this movie comes out, we're pretty much through, I mean, J-horror is still very real, but we're through mm-hmm. that like J-horror trend when like everyone went to see mm-hmm. the ring. Like this is years after that. Um, but the well is pretty cool. Um, there's some cool scares. I like the mythos of this movie. I know like people push back at, I don't know, this might not be the right way to word or say or feel, mm-hmm. but people push back at the um, Christianic, Christianic, is that a word? The very Christian themes mm-hmm. in these movies. Um, but kind of for me as someone who is not Christian, in a lot of ways, I kind of get to accept it as like mythology of the film universe, mm-hmm. um, which might not be cool. I don't really know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they have a cool, I think it does some cool stuff with that. Like I was saying, like, yeah. I love the Bible verses, the pages of the Bible stuck against the, uh, the room with Annabelle stuck in it. Mm-hmm. I think that is like so scary and so yeah. cool. And like. There's some like really cool images and like vignettes yeah. and tableaus in this movie, which is not something you really expect. Um, I think that's what's really cool about the period piece of it all is that it looks different. Like the Conjuring movies all look pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one looks really different. It's a little more orange and brown. Yeah. Like there's no bright colors in this movie. It's like very muted. There's no blue mm-hmm. in this movie. Do you know what I mean? This is the first movie too that doesn't center around like a, I mean, there is like a, you know, hetero white couple in it. But sure. They're not necessarily like the focus of the movie. You know, yeah. Because I think with the first Annabelle movie, you have like John and Mary form and they are, you know, a stand in for all intents and purposes for, the Warrens at that point here the focus is much more on the two sisters and um sister charlotte like they really become the focal point and the characters that you follow throughout this this movie yeah i get what you're saying about like i don't it's not the christianity of the conjuring movies that bother me it is like the maybe more conservative bent of the movies sure you are punished for kind of deviating from anything besides like traditional conservative values right um, that the, makes more yeah that's that's a better way of putting it yeah. you know and and the mullins like very like, at one point when the dad or in the i think it's when esther is explaining to sister charlotte like how this came to be like how she mm-hmm. came to be kind of like bedridden like what happened to their daughter um she says like we prayed to like any entity that would hear us and it becomes like they were like a god-fearing church-going couple and it's like what after the tragedy befell them it becomes like well because you turned your back on god because you like prayed to false idols at that point Mm -hmm. that is why like they're very much punished like they make a like a faustian deal with the devil at that point to say we want to see our daughter and they get what they wanted, but not in the way that they expected. Much like O. Henry's like monkey's paw. Um, Yeah. I feel like that's a common and not, I don't mean common as in it's a cliche. I mean, cause it's like pretty real. It's like a common um, thread used in for terror, like that people will Mm -hmm. do anything for a loved one back and it goes awry. I mean, from pet cemetery to Mm -hmm. even like the black mirror episode where she makes her like robot husband, like, you know, that kind of vice of like this bad thing happened and I lost faith. Um, and so I turned my back on it and what I got was a demon. Um, yeah. it's an interesting, it's interesting. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I mean, it's a common trope. I just think that like you see it over and over. Um, even like in The Conjuring 2, it's like, oh, yeah, my husband cheated on me and he left and he left me with like three kids to take care of. And yeah. well, any chance because he sounds like a prize, any chance of getting back together? Um, like, no, what? No, did you listen to anything I just <laughs> said? The like, conversation is absurd in yeah. that movie. I'm like, who is this for? Every time, yeah, yeah that. I do I don't know who it's for. love like the um he took the music well I know it feels like no he literally took all he the music in the house. <laughs> I, I do it's love so, that it's so it's like, weird I think about that conversation so much because I'm like who is it for because it makes um Ed Warren look like a tool well yeah but also like Ed Warren it's weird to me because the movies overall and the Conjuring overall values this conservative traditional mm-hmm. um you know stay together no matter what mm-hmm. and here's why um and ed warren as a character believes that and so it's funny that like he as the character in a movie that promotes that is like you should get back together and then the other character in the movie that promotes that is like no you jerk mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know i'm i'm just like who slipped this conversation yeah. in here in this movie that otherwise thinks differently anyway i just yeah. think that's really interesting i did like that and here yeah. you have like a very you know i is you don't get to see much of the mullins in happier times but what you mm-hmm. do see is pretty sweet like the find me and i like yeah. that it's in the handwriting of Annabelle from the first movie as well. I like that little attention to detail. Um, And I think what this movie does and talking about getting to play a little bit and have a little more freedom, like this movie tweaks the mythology enough where it doesn't, it bends it, but doesn't break it. Um, Yeah. Because you were told Um, in the first conjuring, like, oh yeah, this couple had a kid, the kid died and they had this doll and they thought the doll was the reincarnated daughter but it's really a demon um i really like what this movie did because i think it reconciled a lot of what happened in annabelle Mm -hmm. um because yeah we open the first conjuring movie opens on the story of annabelle and it comes and goes um and then the annabelle um is a brand new story Mm -hmm. um that kind of like alludes like a cult which we'll talk about when we get to the conjuring three um it mentions a cult which is very manson family inspired um and it's really playing onto like the 70s and like the satanic Mm -hmm. panic and manson and all of that well maybe not satanic panic but manson explicitly references the manson yeah it like compares it directly Mm -hmm. yeah um and that's like a very different twist to what we get here um, and it's cool that this movie, um, if, if Annabelle broke it, this movie kind of repaints it and mm-hmm. like fills in the blanks and makes yeah. like kind of fixes the continuity in a way. Right. Because to um, me, when I watch yeah. Annabelle, it, to me, it's heavily implied that when the cult daughter is shot by the police, that like her life essence, like when she's bleeding out, transfers into the and you see the doll physically change. Like the physically, you see the blood drip mm-hmm. from her body into mm-hmm. Annabelle's eyes. Yeah. Um, which breaks the chain. Like you're like, what this is not what I was mm-hmm. told happened in the mm-hmm. movie that I watched a couple of years ago. So this movie does a really cool job. Yeah. It sets up a lot of coincidences, certainly. Yes. Um <laughs> 
but it does a pretty cool job of filling in that blank. So by now, I hope you've seen it because I'm about to spoil the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, audience, push pause, go watch it, but you've watched it by now. Um, the end of this movie. So actually, I mean, we'll get into it in a second, but one of the sisters, the surviving sister of this, of the happenings in this movie is in an orphanage and a family's mm-hmm. coming to get her. And you kind of recognize them, but you can't exactly place it. And mm-hmm. they come and they meet this young girl to adopt who you think is going to say her name is, oh my gosh, what's her name in the movie? Janice. Janice. And she turns around and she says, my name's Annabelle. And the implication is now that the daughter um, from Annabelle, this is very hard to describe because it says the word, it's the word Annabelle is in a lot, but the daughter who is named Annabelle who in infects Annabelle. the Annabelle doll in Annabelle, <laughs> um, which is very confusing, which messes up the continuity. What the implication of this is, well, they actually adopted a girl who said that, that her name was Annabelle, but she was already the demon from the doll. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the doll coming back to her in a way. So it actually mm-hmm. changes the order. It wasn't that Annabelle possessed the doll in Annabelle. It was actually that Annabelle, who was the demon inside the doll, is it's now inside the possessed. girl. And yeah. And yeah. It, it kind of fills in that blank, which I think it, is pretty great. It feels to me a lot more in line, I think, with like what we're told about the movie. So it, it and I do like even you could look at either origin and say, you know, well, which one is right? Like it kind of plays on the idea of like mythology and urban mm-hmm. legends a bit, where there's not necessarily one right way to do it. So I really do like that. Um, I do like that this movie is not afraid to be very, very dark. Mm -hmm. Um, Sandberg talks about wanting to make like a more old school horror movie. That's what attracted him to the original Conjuring movie. He wanted something in the line with like 1970s, like supernatural horror, like the Amityville horror, um, Changeling, things like that's what interested him. And it's, he says he wanted to have like a quieter horror movie as opposed to like the real kind of like you would, like we had said, like jump scare comfort kind of popcorny horror that was very popular, which is interesting because I think when you look at the conjuring movies, they play like Nirvana songs, like very, very quiet. And then these like, you know, cacophonic like outbursts of terror. Like they get very loud, very quickly. I love um, that explanation. I love your so, musical explanations. Oh, I love music. So oh, just like the way um, you bring that into the discussion. I love it. Um, so much. Yeah, like cool. there are jump scares, but they're expertly crafted by one, like the hand clap, the old yeah. man yelling my house. Like those are shocking outbursts, but they're not cheap. They never feel cheap. Yeah. Um, so like Sandberg's use of like, black in this movie and what i mean by black is like the total absence of light um even in scenes where there's a relatively like it's brightly lit around them there were spaces like the closet um the dumb waiter the areas behind the areas in between the walls where it's pitch black and you don't know what's there and it's absolutely terrifying and then when you add like the silhouette of annabelle in there as well just framed against all of that blackness like it it's it's a really creepy effect yeah yeah it's a scary movie yeah and i would also say it's not afraid to be a dark movie yeah you have like a little girl that is like hit by a car 
and like the use of like the broken doll face as a way to kind of visually represent like what that girl, the body trauma that girl would have gone through when she was hit is really well done. Yeah. You have like a disabled character and she is put through the absolute (laughs) horrific. Sorry. She is put through the absolute terrible paces by her, um, by the demon at that point. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's scary. I'd be actually really curious. I meant to um, look before, but I'd be really curious of like a disabled take on this movie because they do mm-hmm. really. Um, I mean, you've got the mother, and then you've got Janice, mm-hmm. and you know the the chair elevator being used for scares. I think is really cool and interesting. Yeah. And I'd be curious someone's take on that. And then ultimately, in the end, she, I believe, like when she's possessed, she walks. Yes. Um, so it's kind of an, I'd be really curious to mm-hmm. a take on that. Yeah. Um, and I would have loved yeah. to have seen because she's very much possessed against her will. Um, yeah. I again would have loved to have seen like maybe like a Faustian bargain with Janice. Like, Hey, I can quote unquote repair what's broken right now. Cause you're mm-hmm. right. Like she no longer has the crutches by the end of the movie. Like she's moving of her own and but they just like you very rarely see a character in a movie put through the paces like that. And it's, Mm. it feels mean in a way that these movies rarely do. Like there's the moment where she's like in the uh, makeshift wheelchair and she's pushed by, I think it's the nun character. It, it, well, so, or the scarecrow is it? Think. Well, it's not, I don't think you like, you think it's sister Charlotte. Yeah, and then I don't think it's anyone. I think it's just Annabelle. Okay. So between that and like her getting like dropped from that height, like they're very mean spirited. You don't see that. And it's not, I don't, have you ever seen the movie Z? It's like streaming on. Yes. I was just talking about it. Yeah. That has to me like the needle drop of all kid falling from like a tremendous height. Like, holy shit, what did I just see? That is the most, I don't know. If you haven't seen the movie Z, seek it out. It's not my favorite Mm -hmm. haunted kid movie, but it's very good. Yeah, what works, works really well. Yeah, that scare. Mm -hmm. Anyone who has seen that movie knows. Knows. They already know what we're talking about. They know. (laughs) Um, So, and also like the, the end that Esther meets, like she's ripped into and crucified to a wall. Like you don't see that in any of these movies yeah these um, movies, this is the meanest i think of the franchise yeah. what did you think of the one of my favorite moments on the film is like the ghost annabelle when they put the sheet on her and the goat and the sheet just starts to move absolutely terrifying yeah. i think it's cool because you get that a lot um i feel like this is an extension of like ouija boards in scary movies mm-hmm. um because for instance in a Ouija board, um, it's always speaking through an object. And I think it's kind of a cool thing. There's probably a million more examples better than Ouija board, but you know, rare is it that, um, this is kind of where seance lost itself a bit, but that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when a Ouija board is being used to communicate, a ghost never writes high on the wall. They use the board. So there's always some like thing that makes you like think like oh huh is this real what's happening um and i feel like it's like a really good tactic i'm trying to think of other examples i know there are many but you never actually see like well you kind of do but annabelle doesn't get up and start walking around 
that yeah. the sheet provides her the like cover that she gets up and walks around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just like personally so much more effective. It's like talking about a movie like Signs where you're only hearing about the alien and it's not until you see the alien that you're kind of like, oh, this movie's kind of mm-hmm. dumb, huh? Um, and I think it's like if you saw Annabelle like getting up and running around, she'd look like Slappy the yeah. whatever, you know? It would be like Chucky's girl. It would be like, you know, Yeah, it would be like Chucky. silly. It would just mm-hmm. be a different movie. And then by using something like a sheet, it gives you like mm-hmm. the deniability, yeah. you know, of the scare and then also makes it a little creepier. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really effective scare. I think things like that are really smart. Yeah. And having those moments where she's not where she's where she's not supposed to be. Like when the when the other sister is like peering over the ledge of the bed and you just see her peering back up and then like this black hand just moves it. You're like, that's creepy. Like that's a really well and effective done. Um, mm-hmm. The only other scare I've got to mention here is the, um, and it plays out for an extended amount of time when the girls are trying to make the getaway in the truck and it mm. won't start and the lights keep coming on to the yeah. scarecrow that they were making fun of earlier. And all of a sudden that thing has some real menace to it. Um, and it's very much like, you know, again, it taps into what Sandberg does with lights out, like lights go on and you just, you're just waiting for it to disappear. And when it finally does, it's a great payoff. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. a great scare. There's some great scares in this movie. Ooh. Yeah. So last thing I have is just, you have, it's really what you have. Like you have some Easter eggs you want to talk about. Yeah. Easter eggs, tie-ins, whatever you want to say. I think as an, as a. I'm an Easter egg junkie. I think that's probably pretty obvious if you've listened to any of our episodes about anything that took place in the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Easter eggs. I love tie-ins. I love stuff like that. I'm a total sucker for it. So um, <laughs> nothing my 30th birthday. I mean, let me tell you. Um, so the end of this movie, we get uh, we get a whole bunch of whammies. So this movie is very much separated. There's a character named Annabelle, but who cares? You know, there's nothing mm-hmm. referencing the Warrens. There's nothing referencing anything else. Um, I don't even think we get a reference to the cult or anything like that in this movie. But we get to the end. The story is functionally over. You've got Janice, who is now Annabelle, in an orphanage. You see these two actors that you recognize from Annabelle, maybe. And they roll up and they're adopting their new daughter. And they bring her a doll to see if she likes it. And it is a Raggedy Ann looking doll, which Mm -hmm. is what the real Annabelle actually looks like, which is very cool. So we get to see a doll that looks like the real Annabelle. Um, and then he says, what's her name? And my name's Annabelle. And you're like, oh. And then it rolls immediately into that scene from Annabelle where, and it's from a different perspective. Um, we get to see the scene where Annabelle kills her parents, which is a scene that wakes up the couple from Annabelle. Mm-hmm. And we see it from the other side of the wall. And it is that moment where that light turns on and you see yep. them kind of like pop out of bed. My, I was shrieking cheering halt Mm -hmm. like yeah like it is so cool Mm -hmm. um we get that so that's already awesome it fills in the blanks it re it fixes up the continuity it cleans everything up and brings you somewhere really cool that wraps up and then we get a post-credit scene of our good friend valak the demon um so stick around to the end (laughs) i did not i did not she shows up and she's the marvel movie yeah, I know post credit scene mm-hmm. in a horror movie referencing another part of the universe, like very MCU nonsense. And I was so thrilled. And just picture me talking to a group of women who could not be less interested in this franchise mm-hmm. or scary movies as a whole. 
while I'm sitting and they have to pay attention to me for a night, which is again, why I hate birthdays, but I exploited it mm-hmm. while I was explaining to them who the nun was, what was happening in that Annabelle flashback. Cause they were mm-hmm. like, it's not the woman from Peaky Blinders. Why is she in this cameo? I was like, Oh, let me tell you, <laughs> let me explain it to you. <laughs> um, so I got to have that moment. So that I... was like the last few minutes of this movie are a banger. I just watched a movie on Shutter called Straight Edge Kegger. Oh, and it. uh, it's fun. It's 79 okay. minutes. I really loved it. Um, right. It's made for about 50 bucks, but don't let that. Um, Perfect. It's, um, and I had to explain like straight edge hardcore to my wife who, you know, is from England where they start you drinking at age five and was really into the rave culture, uh, mm. which is as far removed as from punk and hardcore and she could not have been less interested as I like opened up my Spotify and started playing minor threat while singing along to it in bed. She was like, I definitely could tell she was questioning her life choices. Wow. She's not going to wear a black X on her hand anytime. No, um, she definitely, well, she doesn't, you know, cause as she's gotten older. She's like, I can't drink. She can't drink. So she's straight edge she now. Goes, yeah. She, she is without even trying. So she has straight edge. There that's you go. Hilarious. I love so, that. Any other Easter eggs or does that? I think that's it. I mean, there's I probably more. Um, I think ultimately, like when we get to the Conjuring 3, will be when it's fun, when I think it'll be mm-hmm. a fun time to pick apart how the whole universe is connected. That so. is going to be a big section for you because you're going to be able to yeah. do it in a way that I can't because I just, I definitely spent most of both of my watchings of the conjuring thing being like Ugh. to me it felt like they were setting up like an avengers type super team mm-hmm. to go yeah. against like it felt like Oof. the legion of doom was being set up i'm telling you navarro's gonna be my ringer and we're gonna okay. we're gonna fill in the whole continuity place, all right so i'm in fun it. but yeah i think that's so, i think that's it you can call moratorium on this one i think we can put a pin in it so listeners we want to say we hope you've enjoyed this episode we hope you enjoy what we're doing. We're going to ask, as we do every week, if you enjoy what we're doing, please go ahead, go to wherever you get your podcast. But I will say, like, Apple is the most important one. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us. Leaving us a rating and a brief review goes a long way to having new listeners find us. Um, and that would be a good thing. And if you really like us, you can go to patreon.com slash pod in the pendulum and you can sign up to become a patron for as little as two bucks a month uh, and we give bonus content to all of our patrons Lindsay, what are we doing for the patrons this month what's our bonus episode we're doing a cool one following our uh most recent prior to this episode where we had uh the lovely mishnah wolf chatting with mm-hmm. us about the conjuring 2 we're going to check out the movie that we discussed. Um, we discussed. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to check out her film uh, with Josh Rubin, um, of whom uh, I am a humongous fan. Um, Werewolves Within. We're going to check yeah. it out. This is one of my favorite movies of the year, Werewolves Great. Within. I think it's going to be a love fest of an episode. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, like, you know, in our patrons have said like they actually enjoy like we are a little bit looser and we kind of we always go on a batman tangent when we do a pretty much guaranteed so guaranteed yeah. um 
But, you know, we have uh, different tiers. We give you things like uh, what we're going to record right after this, our three up, where we talk about what we're reading or watching or listening to outside of the movies we're covering for the show, um, as long as some other goodies. So we, you know, Lindsay and I have been powwowing about, like, what can we do to add more patrons and what can we do to give them more stuff? So can we reveal a couple things we've tossed around if we get enough? I'd say Um. we can... I think we can like I nothing's in stone. These are things that we're kind of like yeah. looking to hear, like if you will like them. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly if they're things yeah. that you're like, no, I don't want that, then we're so probably not gonna do it. We're thinking <laughs> of adding things like doing reviews of uh, current movies that are out right now, like things that are streaming or playing in theaters. Um, I would love to do like some Zoom hangouts, like some breakfast with the host where we just kind of get together and chat horror, Um, possibly interviewing like your favorite content creators as well, like reaching out to them and like what they're working on. Because we have the opportunities to do so often, like we're often asked to, but don't because it doesn't really fit like the format of our show. Uh, But we figure like hey this could be some pretty cool bonus content um for the patrons so don't want to put you know again these are all ideas we're kicking around but the thing you can do is go to patreon.com slash pod on the pendulum i will say it goes a long way to making the show happen i'm using a brand new microphone which i probably wouldn't have ordered um if we didn't have that kind of money in the patron account to fall back on at some point um so thank you to those that have subscribed we appreciate it yeah and every listen every um every review really helps us but yeah again if there's certain like if anything that we've mentioned that you're like yes i'm super excited about let us know in the facebook group uh let us know on twitter um yeah let us know because you know we'll do it if that's what you want follow us and we're on twitter at um pod and pendulum on twitter you can join the facebook group facebook.com uh slash pod and the pendulum uh and otherwise yeah we'll be back in a couple weeks with the nun the nun nun. is next yeah the nun is next and then we have just a couple more to go just a couple more and is inside. Although it's, I, I like one of the movies we're covering a lot, and I haven't seen the nun, so we'll see how we It'll do. It'll be fun. It'll, It'll be fun. fun. It's always fun. It's even when I don't like. I don't love this movie. I love talking about movies. So yeah, it's always fun. It's always fun to record no matter what. All right, y'all. Have a great week. We'll be back in a couple.